1: Visiting a national park, let Chumani guide you. Chumani.com.
2: Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 615. It's our birds in the news music. We've learned from our friends at the Burning Community eBulletin that the famous Laysan albatross, known as Wisdom, has successfully hatched another chick at Midway Atoll National Wildlife Refuge out in the Pacific, northwest of Hawaii. Why is that a big deal? Well, because Wisdom is at least 66 years old. She's the world's oldest known bird breeding in the wild. According to U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service Refuge Project leader Bob Payton, Wisdom has returned home to Midway Atoll for more than six decades and has raised as many as 35 chicks. The Laysan albatross is typically mate for life, but experts believe Wisdom has probably had more than one mate And she is a mama once again as she approaches her seventh decade. How do we know that Wisdom really is that old? Well, because she was first banded as an adult bird in 1956. The famed ornithologist Chandler Robbins, whom we talked a bit about on last week's show, first put a band on Wisdom in December of 56, 61 years ago. And more bands, each worn down by time and the sea, have been replaced on multiple occasions. Well, meanwhile, we learned from our friend Ken Lavish down at the Patuxent National Wildlife Refuge in Maryland early this week that the great birder we just mentioned, Chandler Robbins, who recently celebrated his 98th birthday, is ailing. We wish you the best, Chan, and hope you'll be well. well. If you're listening to our show live, which you can do wherever you are, by the way, through our live streaming, consult TalkinBirds.com for details. Happy Daylight Saving Time. Daylight Saving Time began where observed at 2.17 Eastern this morning. A few weeks ago, Marcus Gray from the North American Butterfly Association was a guest on our show, and he told us about the survival struggle of butterflies, monarchs included. And just this past week, the Sierra Club published a piece on the topic entitled A Dynasty at Risk. As the title would suggest, the news is not great. A study published last March found that the population of Eastern Monarchs had dropped by 80% in the last decade. Now with the winter of 2016-17 coming to an end, the Monarchs' population has declined by one-third since the 2015-16 count. Monarchs are divided by the Rocky Mountains with the Western Monarchs, living west of the Rockies and Eastern Monarchs on the other side of the range, What makes eastern monarchs unique is that they have a multi-generational migration between their winter home in central Mexico and summer breeding grounds in the northern U.S. and southern Canada. So it's the fourth-generation monarchs that make the 1,200 to 2,800-mile trip, after which they hibernate for six to eight months before the process begins again. Most other adult butterflies, they tell us, only live two to five weeks. The count is done every year by the World Wildlife Fund Mexico as the butterflies winter in the fir forests west of Mexico City. Highest count ever recorded was 1997 with 682 million butterflies. This year, roughly 109 million monarchs were counted. That indicates the population of eastern monarchs has dropped by about 85% now in the last 20 years, and unfortunately the western monarchs are experiencing a similar trend. What can we regular folks do about this? Well, joining a group like Marcus's might be a good first start. We can be informed and maybe help out a bit. The North American Butterfly Association website is naba.org. N-A-B-A, naba.org. Meanwhile, as Congress and the new administration in Washington consider big policy changes affecting birds in public lands, hundreds of conservation groups and bird-watching clubs and wildlife rehabilitators along with tens of thousands of individual citizens, have endorsed a Together for Birds petition, asking lawmakers to continue advancing bird conservation. The petition was delivered to Trump administration officials and congressional leaders on Monday, February 27th, and it endorsed the following priorities. The Endangered Species Act, to protect the act that has helped recover our national bird, the bald eagle, and other species in trouble. The Migratory Bird Treaty Act to safeguard the only law that exists to protect most American birds and support the federal duck stamp, one of the nation's most successful conservation programs. Federal funding for birds to maintain and grow essential sources of federal support for migratory bird conservation. The Environmental Protection Agency to ensure that the EPA can continue its vital work to protect people and birds from dangerous pesticides and other toxins. And land management for birds and people to ensure that public lands remain public and are properly managed for wildlife and that recreational access is maintained. That's the petition, and thanks to the four groups that are leading the effort to present it in alphabetical order, American Bird Conservancy, American Birding Association, Bird Conservancy of the Rockies, and the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. You can go to the websites of any of those groups for details about the Together for Birds petition. Well, we have a double conservation salute. First, an organization called Parley for the Oceans has committed itself to spreading the word about the threats our oceans face, such as climate change, overfishing, and plastic pollution. One major component of their efforts is reclaiming the plastics deposited in the Indian Ocean that wash up on the shores of the Coral Islands comprising the country of Maldives. And they've now teamed up with Adidas, or Adidas, as most people, I guess, pronounce it, to make performance fabrics for a 3D printed shoe constructed of upcycled marine plastic. In 2016, they made 7,000 pairs of the shoe, that features an upper composed of 95% ocean plastic, with the rest of the shoe made from recycled materials retrieved during coastal operations. Parley and Adidas, or Adidas, say they now have plans to produce at least a million pairs of the shoes using ocean plastic by the end of this year. And we salute the computer maker, Dell, for creating what they describe as the first commercial scale global ocean plastic supply chain processing plastics collected from beaches, waterways, and coastal areas... and using them as part of a new packaging system for their latest laptop. It's an initial pilot project that they say will start by keeping 16,000 pounds of plastics out of the ocean. That's a tiny amount on the grand scale of things, of course, but it is something. Adidas and Dell perhaps reacting to startling facts like the following three. And if you think the first two are shocking... Wait till you hear the third one. First one, 8 million tons of plastic enter the ocean every year. Not 8 million pounds, 8 million tons. Second one, in some places in our oceans, plastic particles, microplastics as they're called, outnumber plankton 26 to 1. And the third one, is everyone sitting down? According to researchers at Essex University in the UK, anyone who consumes an average amount of seafood ingests approximately 11,000 of these plastic particles each year. Those are pretty disturbing facts about some of the things that are happening to our planet, but we'll try to balance them off a little bit here with the following three headlines published by the folks at cleantechnica.com. Headline number one, on Wednesday of this past week, Denmark generated enough wind energy to provide all of its electricity needs. Headline number two, reports reveal Beijing to cut coal use by 30% this year. Headline number three, 7,000 railway stations in India will switch to solar power. So some hopeful environmental news there coming from India and Denmark and China. We'd like to get a round of applause here, if we could, for our Talking Birds ambassadors. We have so many great ambassadors. We are so grateful and thrilled about it. And we'd like to say thanks to new ambassadors, Mary Ellen and Steve from Apple Valley, Minnesota. Thank you, Mary Ellen and Steve. Joe from Nashville, Tennessee. Many thanks, Joe. Bill from New Westminster, British Columbia, Canada, our first British Columbia ambassador. Thank you, Bill. And the newest group of our ambassadors all signing up just yesterday, Norman in Oroville, Ohio, a little southwest of Akron. Thank you, Norman. Thanks to Christy. She's in Durango, Colorado, where she runs birdmentor.com and offers an eight-month deep nature connection course in birding skills, bird language, bird identification, everything birdie, she says, that gets people outside in their own backyards learning firsthand from the natural world. She has a great website there worth checking out, too. It's birdmentor.com. And great thanks to a longtime Talking Bird show friend, David Goodrich in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Thank you so much, David. And we received this note from our ambassador in Carneysville, West Virginia, Paul Breitenbach. He says, Hi, Ray. Our Potomac Valley Master Naturalist Spring Gathering is coming up in April and our state conference in June. I'm out of cards, so please send me some more. Thank you, Paul. The cards are in the mail. Please visit our Facebook page uh, where you'll see a complete list of our ambassador states, and we'd love to invite you to sign up and become a Talking Birds ambassador. We'll send you some cards, and you just hand them out to friends and neighbors at your convenience. That's how it works. Just go to TalkingBirds.com, click on the Contact button, and then choose The become an ambassador option. So maybe you took part in the great Backyard Bird Count this year or Project Feeder Watch and maybe doing so whetted your appetite for a little more in-depth bird work, possibly with pay. Or maybe you're a young birder in Canada or Maine looking for amazing birding experiences. Well, listen carefully because we have info on all of the above in this morning's installment of Charlotte's Weblog with our own Charlotte Wusselick up there in Alberta, Canada. Alberta charlotte
3: good morning ray with summer plans underway for many people many bird observatories and universities are looking to fill seasonal positions internships and volunteer positions for the upcoming season there are job postings from canada the u.s south america and europe in need of individuals to help with research including a loggerhead shrike and grassland bird field technician in virginia and a songbird telemetry field technician in new brunswick you can find all the job postings at ornithologyexchange.org The Long Point Bird Observatory in Long Point, Ontario is now taking applications for their Young Ornithologist Workshop. Space is limited to six young Canadian birders, ages 13 to 17. Applications are due by April 30th and you can download the form and find more information at birdscanada.org under the Education tab. The workshop runs from August 5th to the 13th. I highly recommend this workshop for young birders who would like to learn more about banding birds, go birding in one of the most well-regarded locations in Canada, and meet other young birders. As some of you might remember, I attended the workshop several years ago and you can read more about my experiences on my blog, prairiebirder.com. The York County Audubon Society is helping to launch the Maine Young Birders Club, the first of its kind in the state. The club will organize bird walks, field trips, presentations, and other programs for young nature enthusiasts. The first club meeting is Saturday, March 25th, with a bird walk at Scenic Timber Point. Young birders between the ages of 11 and 18 are welcome to attend. Contact MaineYoungBirders at gmail.com for more information. That's all for this week, Ray. I'll talk to you next time.
2: Thanks, Charlotte. Talking Birds listeners, be sure to check out Charlotte's blog at PrairieBirder.com. Thanks again for being with us here in our show number 615. We hope you'll check out our website, talkingbirds.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talking
3: Extra, extra, read all about it.
2: Here are some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week <laughs> Petrol Cam. Yes, we'll connect you to the live video of Bermuda Petrels on the nest, courtesy of our friends at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. Why bringing back extinct species may not help conservation efforts. A new economic analysis suggests that de-extinction may distract from, rather than add to, efforts to conserve endangered species. It's kind of complicated. Just what do these birds have in common? Townsend's finch. Cuvier's kinglet, carbonated swamp warbler, small headed flycatcher, and blue mountain warbler. Well, in addition to our never having heard of these birds, there are five species painted by John James Audubon that have never been identified or confirmed to have ever existed. We'll link you to the intriguing story that's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. Don't forget, you can also find those stories through an online search, in most cases, if you're not a Facebook follower. Till to come on our show today, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment, offering backyard birding advice, as only Mike can provide it. Also this morning, we'll conduct our famous mystery bird contest and give away another fabulous feeder from Droll Yankees, makers of the world's best bird feeders. And up next, you may want to get ready to lower the volume on your listening device for a moment or two when you hear the sound of today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend. Talkin' Birds is made possible in part by Celestron, a leading optics company offering binoculars and spotting scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron is dedicated to education and bird conservation and proudly supports many nonprofit organizations that share the same commitment. Celestron says we care about birds and nature in our backyard, as well as yours, enhance your view with Celestron. Visit Celestron.com and discover more. Many birds have beautiful, melodic songs. Today's featured feathered friend is not one of them. Maybe that's why its genus contains no other members. Here's one sample of what he sounds like. The first detailed description of this bird was given in 1825 by Charles Lucien Bonaparte, nephew of Napoleon Bonaparte. Charles Lucien was no doubt impressed by this bird's striking appearance, but he probably said something like, Sacre bleu" when he heard it. The bird is Xanthocephalus xanthocephalus, commonly known as the yellow-headed blackbird. It's been making a racket for a very long time. Pleistocene fossils of yellow-headed blackbirds from 100,000 years ago have been unearthed in California, Mexico, and Utah. Yes, it's a bird of the West, although it is sometimes seen in the East. Yellow-headed blackbirds are fairly large as blackbirds go, with a stout body, a large head, and a long conical bill. Males, not surprisingly, have bright yellow heads, with a yellow chest as well and a large white patch at the bend of the wing, easily seen from above when the bird is in flight. Females and immatures are brown instead of black with duller yellow coloration on the head and chest. Our bird eats mostly insects in summer and seeds the rest of the year and breeds in prairie wetlands, mountain meadows and shallow areas of marshes, ponds and rivers nesting in cattails and reeds, often again in the company of those red-winged blackbirds, which apparently don't mind their neighbor's fingernails on a blackboard vocalizations. <laughs> the yellow-headed blackbird, Xanthocephalus xanthocephalus. Today's talking Birds featured Feathered Friend. Talking Birds is sponsored in part by Chimani, providing free outdoor mobile app travel guides to plan and navigate your journey to more than 400 national parks, monuments, and historic sites. From Acadia to Zion, go to Chimani.com, that's C-H-I-M-A-N-I.com, to download your free app today. Up next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. If you've listened to Talking Birds over the past several weeks, you may have heard us talking about our upcoming trip to the Galapagos Islands. And guess what? The guest list is now almost full. So if you'd like to join us, and we hope you will, the time to sign up is now. We'll travel with our friends from Sunrise Birding, one of the world's finest small group touring companies. Get all the details right now at sunrisebirding.com. That's sunrisebirding.com.
1: Here's an idea for the next time you're shopping for wild bird food. Look for the Audubon Park brand, a top choice among bird lovers for more than 40 years. All of Audubon Park's products meet the highest quality standards in the industry and have earned early compliance with the FDA's Food Safety Modernization Act. And Audubon Park products are easy to find at your supermarket, lawn and garden store, farm and feed market, and online retailers. For more information, visit AudubonPark.com.
2: Just a reminder, you can hear our show live online wherever you are. Easy to do. Just go to TalkingBirds.com to get the details on it. Our mystery bird contest, you're eligible if you haven't won here on our contest within the last six months. Call us and tell us what the bird is that we're about to hear and about which we'll hear some clues. Take your guess if you're not sure because a drawing will determine our winner even without a correct answer being received. Our prize this morning is the Droll Yankees' newest Hanging Hummingbird Feeder. We may be rushing the season a little bit here in the Northeast where it's really cold, but it'll be spring and summer soon. It's the Ruby Sipper Hanging Hummingbird Feeder. A perfect one for multiple feeding zones. That's what it provides for territorial hummingbirds so every hummer can have its own feeder. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. 781-837-4900. Here is our mystery bird Yes, it really is a bird. Our mystery bird is a medium-sized, chicken-like marsh dweller with a compact body and a short tail, a slightly downward-curved bill and a reddish chest, neck and back. Our bird pokes around in the water to feed on crustaceans, aquatic insects, and small fish. What is it? What's our mystery bird? Tell us or take your guess It's 781-837-4900. That's 781 837 900. Meanwhile, we're going to find out something about bird feeders in cold weather when we check with our man, Mike O'Connor. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. More than 100 million wild animals are killed each year, illegally.
4: Poaching is just one of the risks animals face at our hands. I'm Tom Barry. I'm an actor. I grew up in the beautiful rural countryside of Ohio, where animals roamed freely in the open forests. I have a deep concern to help preserve those open spaces for our wildlife friends so they can live and thrive like they used to. Destruction of their habitats threaten their very existence. The best way to protect wildlife is to protect the land where they live. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust works with private landowners to protect wildlife, to preserve natural habitats and establish permanent sanctuaries. To learn more, or to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust. Call 800-729-SAVE. That's 800-729-SAVE. Or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you.
2: Cape Cod, Massachusetts, where it never More snows. More 100 but million wild... Some, somebody trying to horn in on Mike's time here. I would file a complaint if I were you, Mike.
0: <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, do I, I get paid half as much now?
2: We'll we'll we we'll check. We'll check with the attorneys on that. <laughs> but uh, I'm not exactly sure. Well, how's it? How, I know it's cold on Cape Cod, but uh, oh birds are singing. You, know, you were talking about cardinals in your yard. When, when I pulled into the parking lot here at the radio station, I was greeted by a, a, a cardinal that was singing so loud I thought it was an app on my phone. Playing that, but it really was a real bird. Okay.
0: The birds don't pay as much attention to the weather as we do. And, you know, as yeah. you know, it's all the length of day, and they start singing when it's when there's a certain amount of sunlight in the day. Mm-hmm. They sing. And then when it's, you know, of course, if there's a storm, they shut down. But when it's actually a pleasant morning, if you don't mind the fact that it's 14 degrees, <laughs> and, and this, these male cardinals are out singing away, as you heard and I heard.
2: Well, we have a question that relates to cold weather. This is from Alexa in a place that's often cold, Portland, maine. Uh, and she says, how important is it to clean feeders in the winter with sub zero weather? she says it seems like it'd be hard for bacteria to survive. Now, Mike, when you were doing your postdoctoral work in bacteriology, I wonder if this question ever came up.
0: oh yeah, that's that's really <laughs> the whole reason for the whole class was, uh, <laughs> yeah, the um. Well, it's true that coal does slow down mold in bacteria, but it doesn't stop it. You know, like, pull out that piece of cheesecake you uh, got at the Olive Garden two months ago back <laughs> in the refrigerator and, and take a look at that. That'll still be moldy. doesn't stop mold, but more importantly, it's not cleaning the feeders regularly that I advocate. I mean, I clean my a couple of times a year, but I don't tell people to clean them every time. But what I advocate is Emptying them every time, mm. you know, because uh, feeders aren't waterproof. Because if they were, the birds wouldn't be able to get the seed out. So they have to have holes for the birds to access the food. But when you get uh, a rainstorm, or even in the, in the winter when there's driving snow, the holes, the ports where the bird gets the seed out, they fill with snow, and then and then the sun comes out and it melts and it makes the, the seed damp and wet and even and clumpy. So what I tell folks to do, when you go to fill your feeder, don't top it off. I say this like a trillion times a day. Don't top off your feeder. Empty it out. If there's a lot left, you can rotate it. You can move it around. If it doesn't look right, discard it. But if it looks okay, then then but, but put fresh seed on the bottom.
2: You don't have to throw it out if it's still good, but it's a good way to check it to make sure. Exactly, yeah. because
0: not only can moisture build up, but, if, you know... Even my seed has, uh, and I hate to admit it, but it has uh, dust and debris in it that comes from the farmer's field. And that drops to the bottom and it, it clumps up and it, it, it makes the seed uh, almost inaccessible. And everybody knows, you go to check a feeder you haven't maintained for a while and it's rock solid. And then you can see different colors mm. of, of, of molds and stuff on there. So if you rotate the seed regularly or every time, as I do, and inspect, inspect the feeder before you fill it up again, you're not going to have trouble with mold and bacteria, mm-hmm. but it doesn't hurt to clean it out once wash
2: it once in a while also. All right. Our attorneys said to play the music. They don't want to hear any more about the dust and debris in your seed there. <laughs> <right. It's historic. laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Sounds great, right? Mike O'Connor down there at the famous Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, Massachusetts, back here at the Mystery Bird Contest. Here's our kind of unusual-sounding mystery bird. What is it? Or take a guess if you don't know what it is. is the number. Our prize is a beautiful thing as we get ready for spring and summer. We've had reports of hummingbirds all winter in various places in the north, too, by the way. Our prize is the Droll Yankees' newest hanging hummingbird feeder, the Ruby Sipper Hanging hummingbird feeder a perfect pairing of whimsical fun and practical performance all in one stylish saucer feeder the five ounce capacity of the ruby sipper makes it ideal for establishing multiple feeding zones for territorial hummingbirds every hummer can have its own feeder 781-837-4900 is the number to call we don't have much time so give us a call as quickly as you can and tell us what that bird is or Take your guess. Seven eight one eight three seven four nine hundred. Here are the clues for the mystery bird. It's a medium-sized chicken-like marsh dweller with a compact body and a short tail, a slightly downward curved bill, and a reddish chest, neck, and back. Our bird pokes around in water to feed on crustaceans and aquatic insects. And small fish. What is our mystery bird? Seven eight one eight three seven four nine hundred. And Jesse, please remind me to identify the bird. If we don't get the correct answer, because that's a kind of a bad habit uh, <clears throat> that I sometimes have. Seven eight one eight three seven four nine hundred. And Arlene is in Bridgewater, Massachusetts. Good morning, Arlene. Good
1: morning, Ray. How
2: are you? Well, I'm well, thank you. We're a warm indoors here.
1: Good. <laughs> how,
2: about, how about our mystery bird, Arlene?
1: Uh, I'm. I don't know. I think
2: it's a common gallinule. Common gallinule. Uh, No, used to be a common moorhen. I think you're right about that name change, but not our mystery bird. Okay. All right. Thank you, Arlene. Thank you. Bye-bye. We might have to flip the cards on this. We are running out of time here. Next week, we're live from the University of Massachusetts Boston campus for the Mass Audubon Annual Birders Meeting with our special guest, Uh, Mass Audubon Climate Change Program Coordinator, Dan Brown. The identity of our bird, Arlene. You'll be our winner by default, the King Rail. Executive Producer, Mark Duffield. Our Associate Producer, Debbie Bleacher. Our Engineer is Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week.
1: Ray Brown's
0: Talking Birds.
1: Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Or Leanscape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLbean.com By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.